Thank you for listening, downloading, sharing, subscribing, commenting, donating, and praying for us. And for going to BrotherLance.com to get the free PDF of this teaching. We know in the first war that the devil was judged. He was like he was stripped of his authority, of his position, of everything he had in God's kingdom. We talked about in the last Bible study that he was still able to go to heaven and present himself before God. Okay, so this is what he's saying. It's like that judgment has come, but the the whole process isn't finished yet. Okay, so here's the kicker. Jesus tells us that from the time that John started preaching the Messiah soon coming, that heaven itself went to war against the devil. So let's read Matthew eleven twelve. But from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violence sees it. So what happened is when John the Baptist went to go start preaching and preparing the way of the Messiah, a battle broke out, a war in heaven started. So that war of heaven was going on during the whole time of Jesus' ministry, right? So there was two battles going on, one in heaven and one here on earth, right? Jesus had to go to heaven and purify the temple of God from the stain of sin and rebellion of Satan, his angels, and for man's sin on the earth. That's why it talks about he had to go reconcile unto himself the things of the earth and the things of heaven. So once Satan fell and rebellion infected the kingdom of God and sin infected the kingdom of God and there was fallen angels there and the devil had the right to continue to present himself as nasty, as dirty as he is and all of his angels, Jesus had to go to heaven and, and purify that, okay? So, I mean, Jesus presents himself, God laughs. He laughs. That's what it says. He who sits in heaven will laugh. So Jesus comes up there and presents himself, and God gets a belly laugh. He's like, yeah, we did it, boy. Woo! We're going to go get them now. And he's like, it's on. And then, boom, Jesus started kicking butt. Michael started fighting everybody. All the hell, the angels are like, you're out of here, dude. Party's over, folks. We're done with this. And so, yeah, praise God. Dear Father, we praise you. We thank you for all you have, are, and will ever do for us. Thank you for this wonderful study that we're going to do about uh, the two wars in heaven, the timeline of the fall of man, and the intro to the son of perdition Bible study. So we praise you for that. Give us the Holy Spirit, guys, your truth. Thank you for everyone being able to make it. Thank you for uh, the donations we've been receiving, and we thank you so much for that, and bless the people and that also, Father. So we just praise you, we glorify you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Last week was Satan's Resume Part 1. And so this week is Satan Resume Part 2. This is going to talk about uh, the second war in heaven and give you some information you might not already have known. So let's start at the top. It says, please see Part 1 of this study to get the proper understanding of the conversation and declaration of intent. This study will focus on the second war in heaven and its outcome. The first was based around the fall of man. This one is based upon the fall of Satan. Ultimately, the coronation of King Jesus over the forces of darkness. So, do that. And then... 
Key concept. Satan's attempt to exalt his throne over God's kingdom was a long and ongoing process. From creation until the death of Jesus, Satan was making every attempt to subvert God's kingdom. So let's look back. Isaiah 14, 12 through 14. How you have fallen from heaven, shining one, son of the dawn. How are you cut down to the ground, who laid the nations low? You said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Right? So these failed intent by Satan uh, didn't turn out probably, I think, the way he thought it was going to turn out. And uh, he lost it. But uh, that's the premise is that he his heart's pretty jacked. And he tried to get Adam and Eve to become just like he was. And they did for a bit. And so now we're going on to the next stage. But we're going to do the breakdown. So I went through Revelations 12 to break down the two different wars, why I see it this way, why I think it's played out in Scripture the way it is. So basically, we're going to start at the top here. This is the breakdown of the two wars in heaven, setting the stage for the description uh, description of the wars. So Revelation 12.1. A great sign was seen in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and moon under her feet and on her head, the crown of twelve stars. So this is the nation of Israel and the 12 tribes. Why do I believe that? And so let's look at Genesis 37.9. It said, he dreamed yet another dream and told his brothers and said, behold, I have dreamed yet another dream. And behold, the sun and the moon and the 11 stars bowed down to me he of course he was the 12th you know so joseph and the, the coat of many colors and all and the story but uh so we see here that this this lady who was clothed with the sun and the moon and under her feet and the 12 stars is the nation of israel right and so that and they brought forth jesus the messiah of all mankind your gentile so let's keep moving forward revelation 12 2 she was with child she cried out in pain laboring to give birth Jesus' birth creates a new nation for all the children of God who believe in him. So it's Isaiah 66, 7 through 8. Before she travailed, she gave birth. Before her pain came, she delivered a son. Who has heard of such a thing? Who has seen such a thing? Shall a land be born in the day? That's the key thing because God, uh, Jesus created one new nation, right? And God, one new nation in Christ Jesus. Shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as, soon as Zion tra travailed, she gave birth to her children. In other words, all who believe in Jesus. So let's read Romans 10, 19 through 21. But I asked, didn't Israel know? First Moses say, I was provoked. Uh, I, I will provoke you to jealousy with that which is no nation. That's the Greeks. I will make you angry with a nation void of understanding. Isaiah is very bold and says, I'll be, I was found by those who didn't seek me. I was revealed to those who didn't ask for me. But as to Israel, he says, all day long, I stretched out my hand to a disobedient and contrary people. And we're going to do one more. Galatians 3, 27 through 29. For as many of you were baptized into Christ and have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you're all one in Christ Jesus. If you are Christ and you are able Abraham's offspring and heirs according to the promise. So right there, when she travailed in pain and giving birth, she, she was giving birth to a new nation. So the nation of Israel when and, and brought forth Jesus Christ, and, and upon Jesus' birth, a new nation is born. For all who believe in him, God takes all humanity back. So you got Shem, Ham, and Japheth, right? We've talked about this in the past. The Shem, Shem the Shemites, are the Jews. And the rest, uh, Ham and Japheth, were kind of not the chosen people. But in Jesus, he brings all those three people people groups back together all the brothers right and so we've always been related we're all part of the same human family but in jesus all are called and all can have salvation okay and so here at the top of page two first war in heaven okay backstory to fill in the gaps revelation 
12.3. Another sign was seen in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and on his head seven crowns. Of course, last week we went through detail that this dragon is Satan, the devil, Lucifer, whatever you want to call him, the bad guy, okay, the evil one. Okay, so he sees this dragon in the hair in the heavens, right? Revelation twelve four a, and his tail drew one third of the stars of the sky and threw them to the earth. So Jesus shares what happens to be a reference of this moment. It appears to share. Uh, I'm sorry, Jesus shares what appears to be a reference to this moment. Okay, so let's look. Luke ten seventeen through twenty. And the seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject to us in, not in your name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan fallen as a lightning from heaven. Right? And so I beheld. That's past tense, correct? Behold, I have given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall in any wise hurt you. How be it? In this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject to you, uh, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So I beheld, past tense. Right? This is this is something prior. This has already happened. Okay. So I put a note here because if you start looking in commentaries about this, you kind of get some different viewpoints. So let me read what I wrote. Some say that verse 18 is a response to what the 70 said about casting out demons, and Jesus was responding that he saw it. I'm not as sure about that as it, it seems like a definitive statement of. A prior occurrence. Mm -hmm. They say we casted out demons, and he says, I saw the devil thrown down out of heaven, relating their lesser action to a greater action of the devil being cast out, hence giving them their power. And so I take it as a, 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 a Jesus, okay, <laughs> how do I say this? Jesus is very good at layering his statements, he doesn't waste words. And he just doesn't say, I saw you over there, you know. Mm -hmm. he, he, he layers things, and he says very deep things that have lots of meaning. So I take it as this is a past tense statement referencing the war in heaven where Satan was cast out, which we talked about last week, right? Even if you disagree with me, it, doesn't ma it matters not because the rest is going to be so comparatively speaking definitive that, you know. But for me, I take it as a past tense, right? Mm -hmm. And that he was referring to the war, and not just at that moment. Okay. And so, and like we know in the book, uh, in the gospels, Jesus went through the temptation, right? And then the devil went away for a time for a period. So he came back, right? So if we just take the, the concept of uh, Satan being cast out as devils being cast out of people, well, what is that? What good is that? Because if Satan's coming back around, right? So I believe it's the other way. But anyways, Revelation 12, 4b. The dragon stored before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she gave birth, he might devour her child. Fulfilling the declaration of God from the dawn of time, right? And so God prophesied this. He actually declared it. He's like, this is what's going to happen. And so I don't know. I can't really say that God prophesies because he tells you what's going to happen. <laughs> you know, like it's prophecy to us, but it's a definitive statement for him because he's making sure this happens. And so you see that in the Gospels a lot where it says Jesus did this to fulfill this scripture. You know, Jesus did that to fulfill this prophecy, right? And so God declared. We'll call it prophecy for us, but God declared. So let's read what he declared. Genesis 3, 14 through 15. Yahweh God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed above all livestock and above every animal of the field. You shall go on your belly and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will bruise your head and you will bruise his heel or crush, you know, or crush his head and crush his heel. But anyways, uh, the thing is, 
If you look at 14, uh, Revelation 12, 4, the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth. We knew the woman is Israel. So the devil was waiting for the nation of Israel to bring forth the Messiah. That's what it's saying, right? Because he wanted to devour the baby, to, to kill it, right? And so that's what we get out of Revelation 12, 4, B, okay? Let's look. The birth of Jesus. This is the great dividing line in the two war descriptions, okay? We'll notice that one-third of the angels and Satan were thrown uh, to earth before the birth of Jesus. This is the first war, okay? So Revelation 12:5a, she gave birth to a son, a male ch child, who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. So we know that first casting out was before the birth of Jesus, because he stood ready before the woman to devour the baby, w waiting for her to give birth. Then she gave birth, right? And then the, the devil goes after him. Okay. So um, let's read. Um, I'll read again. Revelation 12, 5a. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. So top of page three. So proof that this is Jesus, right? For those Jesus deniers out there or people who are confused about prophecy, we will share something with you here. Revelation 2, 26 through 27. He who overcomes and he who keeps my works to the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. He will rule them with a rod of iron and shatter them like clay pots as, as I also have received of my Father, right? So this is... Jesus refers it back to himself. You tell Revelation 12 and Revelation 2, the same person, same same situation, okay? Mm -hmm. But now Jesus is like, listen, I'll, I'm going to share with you, you know, and I talk about this in my book, We Shall Be Like Him. Get it for free at weshallbelikehim.com, okay? Uh, the earthly ministry of Jesus. Jesus tells us tells his disciples that Satan, the prince of this world, has, has been judged, yet we will find out that he had not yet been cast out of heaven, right? And so we're going to kind of get into what that means. John 16, 5 through 12. But now I'm going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? Because I have told you these things, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the counselor won't come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he has come, he will convict the world about sin, about righteousness, and about judgment. About sin, because they don't believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to my Father, and you won't see me anymore. Verse 11, about judgment, because the prince of this world has been judged. I have yet many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now, right? And so I, we know in the first war that the devil was judged. He was like he was stripped of his authority, of his position, of everything he had in God's kingdom. We talked about in the last Bible study that he was still able to go to heaven and present himself before God, okay? So this is what he's saying. It's like that judgment has come, but the, the whole process isn't finished yet, okay? So... Here's the kicker. Jesus tells us that from the time that John started preaching the Messiah's soon coming, that heaven itself went to war against the devil. So let's read. Matthew eleven twelve. But from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent sees it. By, uh, sees it. Young's literal translation of the Bible reads, Matthew eleven twelve, And for the days of John the Baptist till now, the reign of heaven does suffer violence, and the violent men do take it by force. So he's, he's talking about heaven, not the earth or Israel. So let's prove that, right? And when he talks about the heaven suffers violence. John eighteen thirty six. Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world. And so when he says the kingdom of heaven is suffering, 
suffered spies. He's not talking about the earth. He's not talking about Israel. He's not talking about the temple. He's not talking about anything but heaven. So what happened is when John the Baptist went to go start preaching and preparing the way of the Messiah, a battle broke out. A war in heaven started. So that war of heaven was going on during the whole time of Jesus' ministry. Right. So there was two battles going on, one in heaven and one here on earth. Right. And so before you think that the that's a long time in heaven, we know a day with us is a, uh, or a day with the Lord is a thousand years to us. Right. So that three to six year span of Jesus's ministry, depending on how you feel about that, was there was a war going on. And we know that the devil obviously was going back and forth because he come to tempt Jesus. Right. But. The devil's angels were up there, and Michael and them were fighting, which we're about to talk about, okay? So when Jesus started, when John the Baptist started his ministry, the battle was on. Mm -hmm. Satan kind of knew, okay, this isn't good. Something's happening. And so then he goes back up to heaven, and there's a big battle, mm -hmm. okay? And so the, the whole time Jesus is walking around the earth doing his ministry, he knows this. He knows that God's up there, and there's a battle going on. I mean, imagine <clears throat> talking to your son in the middle of a battlefield, right? And then Jesus is down here fighting the battle down here. So up in heaven, they're fighting angels. Down here, uh, Jesus is fighting the devil and man, you know? And so there's a huge, huge event. Okay, uh, let's keep going. Jesus' death and resurrection. Colossians, now, pause. This study is deeper than Jesus died on the cross. We're going with the premise you understand that, okay? So I'm not really going to get too much into Jesus dying on the cross. That's the obvious part. We're going to talk a little bit, but basically Jesus died on the cross for your sins so you didn't have to. Okay, so if people are like, what does he mean Jesus died on the cross? <laughs> he paid the price for sin and so you wouldn't have to, and then you accept him to receive salvation. So we're not going to get too much deeper than that because that's not the point of the study so it's a little bit deeper uh okay Jesus' death and resurrection colossians 1 19 through 20 for all the fullness was pleased to dwell in him and through him to reconcile all things to himself by him whether things on earth or things in heaven having made peace through the blood of his cross okay did you guys catch that very important point whether things are on earth or the things in heaven he was reconciling. So there was something that had to be reconciled in heaven. There was something not right in the kingdom of heaven. We know this because the devil and his angels are up there fighting. But we're going to get into what exactly that is here in a second. So, top of page four. Fascinating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, praise God. Colossians 2, 14 through 15. Wiping out the handwriting and ordinances, which was against us. That's the old uh, Levitical law and ways of doing things. He has taken it out of the way, nailing it to the cross, having stripped the principalities and the powers. He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. So his death on the cross defeated the forces of darkness because he, he he's the second Adam, as we know. He died the, a perfect, sinless sacrifice to God and paid the price for man. So he took back what Adam lost to the, to the devil when he gave him to his sin okay um and so we're going to get back into that statement uh reconcile heaven and earth in just a second so hold on so revelation 12 5b her child was caught up to god into his throne so proof this is jesus revelation 321 he who overcomes i'll give him to sit down with me on my throne as i also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne and the revelation 21 1 or 22 1 sorry he showed me a river of water of clear crystal proceeding out of the throne of god and of the lamb i said see acts 1 9 through 
11 and Luke 24, 50 through 53 for the ascension or Jesus going up to heaven. Right. And so because um, you can dice this up. Well, was it when he first came out of the grave? Then he went was caught up in his throne or was it after he came back down and, you know, blessed the people and then went back up when he was down here for 40 days. So however you want to slice it, there's your references. Um, not a big deal for our discussion. So. What happened to the churches of God after Jesus went to heaven, right? So Revelation 12, 6, this is all prophecy. The woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that they, were, they may nourish her 1,260 days, okay? So, okay, Jesus says, if you don't have me, you don't have the Father. So earlier we talked about the woman being the nation of Israel. Well, guess what? All Christians and Jews are still the nation of Israel, Anybody who denies Jesus, Jew or Gentile, they're not part of the nation of Israel. Same lady, right? Because it's God's chosen people, his His called ones. And so right here, it talks about the woman fled into the wilderness, right? And so in scripture, uh, like people, nations, people, tongues, multitudes, and this kind of stuff, and a little more prophecy stuff. But anyways, she fled, right? So that's what happened to church. The church spread out. And, and that's what these references I'm giving you are. That the church was persecuted and spread out. Acts 8.1. Saul was consenting to his death. A great persecution arose against the assembly, which was in Jerusalem that day. They were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except for the apostles, right? And said so this was to facilitate God's command to preach to all the nations. Matthew 24, 14. And the gospel of the kingdom shall be proclaimed in all the world as a witness to all nations and the end shall come, right? And so the woman fled into the wilderness, right? She left her current estate, which was the, the nation of Israel, and spread out, right? Out into the wild. Okay, so the second war in heaven, Revelation 12, 7, there was a war in the sky. Michael and his angels made war on the dragon, then dragon and his angels made war. The continuation of the war mentioned by Jesus while on earth. It says Matthew eleven twelve. but from the days of John the Baptist in 10 now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent sees it. Jesus had to go to heaven and purify the temple of God from the stain of sin and rebellion of Satan, his angels and for man's sin on the earth. Wow. That's why it talks about he had to go reconcile unto himself the things of the earth and the things of heaven. So once Satan fell and rebellion infects, infected the kingdom of God and sin infected the kingdom of God and there was fallen angels there and the devil had the right to continue to present himself as nasty, as dirty as he is and all of his angels, Jesus had to go to heaven and, and purify that. Okay, so let's read Colossians 1.20 and through him to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth or things in the heavens. Huh? Having made a peace through the blood of his cross, right? And so by coming back, he has to go back and, and take back the devil's right to present himself into the kingdom of heaven. So we see this talked about. Now we're going to have some reading here, but I couldn't figure out a way to put this in here and cut it off. So you have to kind of read the whole thing because it gives you the explanation of what I just said. Okay. So it's uh, Hebrews 9, 11 to 28, top of page five. But Christ, having come as a high priest of the, come of the coming good things, through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation. That, so remember, the, the temple on earth was an archetype. It was a sample of what was actually in heaven. So when the ministers ministered down here, it was being mirrored in heaven, and this is how the process went. Okay, verse 12. Nor yet through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood on earth. They used the blood of goats and calves, but in heaven, the spiritual blood of Jesus Christ. 
He says, he entered in once and for all into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption. So the holies of holies, the holy place, is the, where the Ark of the Covenant is, right? So there's an Ark of the Covenant in heaven. There's an Ark of the Covenant on the earth. And Jesus walked into the true holies of holies to present himself as a sacrifice to God, okay? So, verse 13. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of heifers sprinkling those who have been defiled, sanctified to the cleanse, cleanse of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without defect to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? In other words, saying, nah, the blood of animals kind of did it, but the blood of Jesus really does it, right? So if that kind of got you on the right path of God, the blood of Jesus is way more powerful, and it's really going to wash you up and scrub you down, okay? It's like soul bleach. Uh, 15, for this reason, he's the mediator of a new covenant, since a death has occurred for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first covenant, that those who have been called may receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a last will and testament is, there must of the necessity be the death of him who made it. For a will is enforced where, uh, where there has been death, for it is never enforced where uh, he who made it lives. In other words, the will activates when you're dead, right? So when your loved one passes, then the will goes into effect. 18. Therefore, even the first covenant has not been dedicated without blood. 19. For when every commandment had been spoken by Moses to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of the calves and the goats and the water and the scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled the book itself in all the people saying this is the blood of the covenant which god has commanded you 21 moreover he sprinkled the tabernacle right this is so dude don't pass this this is this is so point this is what jesus did okay when he was in heaven this is what he did okay 21 moreover he sprinkled the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry in the same way with they blood right according to the law nearly everything is cleansed with blood and apart from the shedding of blood there is no remission of sins so 23 uh, it was necessary, therefore, that the copies of the things in the heaven should be cleansed with these, but the heavenly things themselves with a much better sacrifice than these, right? What, did you guys get what it just said? In other words, Jesus had to go and cleanse the temple in heaven. Jesus had to get back and purify by his own blood the temple of heaven where God exists and resides. That it was defiled since the fall of man. Right? Because God does not look upon sin, right? And so he had to go and restore once and for all everything the devil messed up. So he defeated the devil on the earth, right? And became sinless and got that back and, and died as a perfect sacrifice. And to finish the job off, he has to go to heaven, present himself, and purify the temple and all of its ornaments and artifacts with his own precious blood. That's what happened to happen. And if you really want to get into a cool Bible study with a real uh, short caveat, I think that's why, which we'll talk about here in a second, just briefly, the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek was the high priest of heaven. So I'm just going to leave it there. But just dig deep into that. So anyways, and now Jesus is our high priest. But anyways. Uh, for Christ hasn't entered into the holy place made with hands, which are representations true, but into heaven itself. Right. So he just says they had to be sanctified. It had to be cleansed. All the artifacts had to be made pure. And so Jesus, when he died and was resurrected, he went back up to make all things pure. Okay. And that's what he did. Yes. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Yep. Okay. Uh uh, for Christ hasn't there's 24 but for Christ hasn't entered into holy places made with hands which are represented true but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us not 
nor yet when he should offer himself often as a high priest enters into the holy place year by year with blood that not his own, or else he must have suffered often since the foundation of the world. But now, once, at the end of the age, he has been revealed to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself, inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die once. And after this judgment, so Christ also having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time without sin to those who eagerly await for are waiting for him to uh, for salvation and so jesus had to go back up purify the temple right so let's keep going he did this with his own blood as he offered himself up to god holy and spotless hebrews 7 26 through 27 for such a high priest was fitting for us holy guiltless undefiled separated from sinners and made higher than the heavens who doesn't need like those high priests to offer up sacrifices daily first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people for he did this once and for all when he offered himself up Okay, and so it is the final sacrifice. You can build another stupid temple in Israel. It means nothing. It's an insult to the one true God and to his son. Don't waste your time. Let people fight over a dirty plot of land. It means nothing. Jesus has done it. He's accomplished it. He has succeeded. He has won. He's victorious. And there's no other sacrifice ever that would defeat or overcome what he did. Right? There's nothing comparable on any type of level. No goat or animal. God will not honor the sacrifice of an animal over his own son. Praise okay. God. Praise God. All right. So top of page six. This is why Jesus could not have sinful flesh touch him as he was spiritually pure as a sacrifice of God for sin and had to present go present himself to the father pure. So what do we see? We see this play out right after his resurrection in the garden. John 20, 15 through 17. Jesus said to her, woman, why do you weep? Who do you seek? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away from here, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned herself to him and said, Rabboni, which means, or is to say, Master. 17. Jesus said to her, Do not touch me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. In other words, I'm pure, you're not. That's basically what that was. Don't touch me. I am 100% spiritually pure. I cannot be touched with sinful flesh. This is not happening. Don't come near me. Right? It says, But go to my brothers and say that I ascend to my Father and to your Father and to my God and your God. Right? And so Jesus was resurrected, pure and holy, perfect in all ways, and he had to go present himself. Okay? And so when he went up there, that's what he did. Now, I, brought, I talk about this in the book. In my book, We Shall Be Like Him. That this was, to me, a reversal of where Eve fell. Because God told her, don't eat of the tree. Don't look. She said, don't look at it. Don't touch it. Right? And so here we go. We got the daughters of Eve. And you're having the same situation. She desires him. She wants to hug him and love on him. And she's he's like, don't touch me. And she obeys. Praise God. And to me, and it was also in another garden. Would have killed her, wouldn't it? Well, she probably would have died. But uh, um, you know, but the, my point is this: is that um, uh, to me, this is God restoring things. There's a lot of this you find in Scripture that if you just blow past it, you don't put the connection together. So you got another lady, another in another garden with the one that gives eternal life and true knowledge and truth, and and she wants to touch and hug, and he's like, no, don't do it, and she listens, praise God, and you know, success, victory. Okay, so Revelation twelve eight. They didn't prevail, neither was a place found for them anymore in heaven, right? So Jesus goes up to heaven, 
and he's about to purify, right? He's casting out all the junk, right? Just like, you know, when they used to sweep out all the leaven and stuff and the Feast of Unleavened Bread and, and all that sort of stuff. That's what Jesus is doing. He's going to clear the temple. Everything that is defiled, yucky, dirty, gone. All things that need to be restored, restored. All the bad things kicked out. And that's what he's doing. He's going back up there. He said, there was not found for them any place in heaven anymore. Right? And so Jesus was made a high priest forever. Hebrews 5, 5 through 6. So also Christ didn't glorify himself to be made a high priest. But it was he who said to him, you are my son. Today I have become your father. As he says in another place, you're a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Ah, we talked about that just briefly. All right. So someone had to help do the priestly service in heaven for the blood of Jesus, and I believe it was Melchizedek. Long story short. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> Jesus exalted as a high priest over all spiritual power. Ephesians 1, 20-23. When he worked in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and made him sit at his right hand in heavenly places, 21, for far above all rule and authority and power and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. He put all things in subjection unto his feet and gave him to be head over all things for the assembly, which is his body, the fullness of him who uh, fills all in all. And so Jesus presents himself to God, right? And God goes, guess what? You are now above all rule, all authority, all power, all dominion, everybody. So guess what? This, what's this mean, Jesus? That means you can have, you have the power and the authority now to kick these devils out of here. And that's what he said. Go do that. Make it happen. Go, go, my son, and and make your daddy proud. And he did. Praise God. Philippians 2, 8 through 11. And being found in a human form, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death. Yes, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow. Of those in heaven, huh? Ooh, those angels, and those on earth, and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, right? So Jesus got, uh, boom, man, now you're this. Now everything has to obey you at your word, at your glance, at your at the tone of your voice, at your thought. They're going to obey you. They cannot resist, okay? And Jesus won that. So you look at this and you see how pathetic the temptation that the devil was in, in the garden. Let me take you to a high place and tell, show you a bunch of rocks and stones and people. And I'll give you all this trash. You know, it's like, really? <laughs> you know, I mean, I already own it. I made that. <laughs> you know, it's, God now rejoices over the defeated devil and his followers celebrating Jesus taking his rightful role in heaven. Psalms 2, 4 through 9. He who sits in the heavens will laugh. That would be God. The Lord will have them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his anger and terrify them in his wrath. Those are the bad angels, right? Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. Jesus, I will tell of the decree Yahweh said to me, top of page 7, you are my son. Today I become your father. Ask of me and I will give you the nations of your inheritance, which we read, the utmost part of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel, just like Revelation 2, 7 plus 12, 5 plus 19, 5. Right? So this is Jesus. So he says, God. So, I mean, Jesus presents himself. God laughs. He laughs. That's what it says. He who sits in heaven will laugh. So Jesus comes up there and presents himself, and God gets a belly laugh. He's like, yeah, we did it, boy. Woo! We're going to go get them now. And he's like, it's on. And then, boom, Jesus started kicking butt. Michael starts fighting everybody. All the holy angels are like, you're out of here, dude. Party's over, folks. We're done with this. 
And so, yeah, praise God. You know, it makes me excited. And, uh, you know, just imagine God laughing. <laughs> you know, but anyways. So, Revelation 12, 9. The great dragon was thrown down, that old serpent. He who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world, he was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. So, that tells us the angels are still there. They're in heaven. They're fighting. They're all getting but their butts kicked. Boom, down to the earth, right? And so Jesus prophesied the plan uh, to his followers. John 12, 30 through 32. Jesus answered, this is why he was on earth. The voice hasn't come for my sake, but for the sake, uh, for your sake. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the prince of this world will be cast out. Future tense. And if I am lifted up from heaven, will draw all people to myself. So that's a future tense, right? So he said, I beheld Satan falling. But then he gives a future tense statement. He will be cast out. So there's two separate things. There's the first war and there's the second war. There's been two wars, right? The first one, he was kicked out of his estate and power and authority that he had in heaven. The second one, he was kicked out of as an ambassador of earth because he lost that when Jesus died on the cross, right? And then Jesus comes back up, purifies the heaven. All things are renewed. God gets a belly laugh and then he turns his anger upon the angels and kicks them out, right? And so there you go. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. All right. So. Obviously, this is speaking of heaven because the devil was already on the earth, but he could go to heaven as he talked about in our last uh, lesson. Now, the time had come to banish him and the fallen angels from the throne room of heaven, no longer able to accuse the brethren. Brethren, we will see another confirmation of this point as described in Revelation 12, 8 and uh, 12 through 13. So. What about the rest of the fallen angels? As Satan was cast to earth, the fallen angels that fought with him against God were thrown straight to hell. Boom. Easy enough. Second Peter 2, 4. For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but threw them into hell and locked them up and changed the utter darkness to be kept until the judgment. There you go. Easy enough. We got a backup verse. Don't need it, but we'll read it anyways. Jude 1, 5 through 6. Now I desire to remind you, though you already know this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterwards destroyed those who didn't believe. Angels who didn't keep their first domain, but deserted their own dwelling place, he has kept in everlasting bonds under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Right? And so when Satan was cast to the earth, his angels, obviously from 2 Peter 2 4, says they were thrown into hell and locked up in the chains into utter darkness. Okay? This says what it says. And so, um, and I put, much like Satan will be bound for a thousand years. Revelation 22 through 3. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set up a seal upon it that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after the, uh, that, he must be loosed for a season. So, top of page 8. A drink. Mm hmm Revelation 12.10 I heard a loud voice in heaven saying Now is the salvation The power and the kingdom of our God And the authority of his Christ has come For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down Who accuses them before our God day and night Right? In other words, declaring, listen, he's out of here. Revelation 12, 11. They overcame him by the lamb's blood and because of the word of their testimony They didn't love their lives unto death Revelation 12.12a 12, Alright, so we had two different scenes set here, right? Therefore, rejoice, heavens, and you who dwell in them. So all angels that are good and are on my side, be happy. Satan has been cast down out of heaven, never to return. The temple has been purified of his, of his sin. And rebellion in the courts of heaven are free of Satan and his angels forever, right? So he's like, 
Be of good cheer, those who stay up here. He's gone. We're not dealing with that fool anymore. He's out of here, right? But Revelation 12b is a warning. Woe to the earth and to the sea, because the devil has gone down to you, having great wrath, knowing that he has a, but a short time. So in the same verse, he's like, rejoice, heavens. We're free of that trash. No more of a problem for us. Then he's like, uh-oh, uh hey, guys, down there, watch out. He's coming, you know? And so he's like, be prepared. Okay. Yet the people of earth are warned of what what has happened. First Peter 5, 8 through 9. Be sober and self-controlled. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. Withstand him steadfast in your faith, knowing that your brothers who are in the world are undergoing the same suffering. Right? So we're told in Peter that, listen, he's out here. He's down here. Same as in, in Revelation. The devil's down here. He's mad. He realized he lost. And he's going to try to do as much damage until that time comes. Right? But we know, and we've read in our last Bible study, that he was going to be terrified. And that the kings of the earth would be like, you're the one that did all this? You're sitting here shaking in your boots? You're sitting here whining and crying? You know? So he knows this is coming. So he's come down to throw a temper tantrum. Uh, James 4, 6 through 10. But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Right? So be humble. But subject, uh, be subject, therefore, to God. So, the, okay, people fly past this. Okay, we sometimes we read things too fast. He's giving you how to do this. So the next is resist the devil and flee. He just told you how to do that. Subject their, yourself, therefore, to God. And then he sandwiches it again. Draw near to God, and He'll draw near to you. So how do you resist the devil and he to make him flee? Subject yourself, therefore, to God. Draw near to God, and He'll draw near to you. That's how you resist the devil, and he flees. Right? We can use our mouth in the name of Jesus Christ to command you to leave me devil. That works. But that only has power if you're walking with God. And you actually have the relationship. Like we talked about, is it Jesus, the name? You know, it's all about relationship. So it says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament, mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will exalt you. So stop being foolish. All right. This is funny to me. <laughs> this next verse revelation 12 13 when the dragon saw that he was thrown down <laughs> oh wait where am i i know it's like oh this ain't heaven what happened <laughs> right that's a it happened really soon. <laughs> right there's a one mighty uh butt kicking <laughs> you know and so it might have been one of these get out of here and that was it so when the dragon saw that he was thrown down to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child, right? So that's the church, the body of Christ. Okay. And so Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Right. For, for our wrestling is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against the powers, against the world rulers of the darkness of this age and against the spiritual forces of weakness in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, uh, all to stand. And so if you keep reading Ephesians, it talks about the armor of God. So I highly recommend that Ephesians six. But anyways, he's saying put on the armor, resist the devil and be, you'll be able to stand against what the devil is trying to do. Doesn't mean you won't have some physical discomfort all the disciples were persecuted and died besides one through martyrdom they say which was john and so no big deal they win i mean it's just like when the devil killed jesus it's like when i'm like okay the next thing i'm gonna know is you, god's beautiful face you know as opposed to this ridiculous place so yeah we're good notice who right top of page nine 
Revelation 12, 17, the dragon grew angry with the woman and went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keeps God's commandments and hold Jesus' testimony or the testimony of Jesus. I said, notice who the devil hates and makes war against. This is this becomes exceedingly important when we discuss the son of perdition. Remember, all this information you're getting downloaded into your heart and your mind right now is to reveal who the son of perdition is, which we will be doing that. And then you're going to probably slap yourself. You're going to be like, wow, it makes a lot of sense now. And so um, uh, so these are the facts. Okay, so Jesus takes control. Okay? Jesus has now taken spiritual control of heaven and his people, but not of the earth yet. This is prophesied in the following verse, Revelation eleven fifteen. And the seventh angel sounded, and there was great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. Right? Uh, so we right now, uh, I could put another verse that, you know, that the kingdom of heaven is at hand and it's in the hearts of man. Right. So the kingdom of heaven is here on earth right now in the believers, mm -hmm. but we're in mixed company because mm -hmm. the kingdom of the devil is here too. Mm -hmm. Right. And so there's still a war going on. Okay. And there's still a battle happening and God, I believe is letting it play out because there's still a certain amount of souls or people being born that he knows will accept him and receive salvation. And then he'll call it quits after that. But, uh, he has a plan obviously. So, um, there'll be a completion. Uh, let's see. This will be the completion of taking ownership of all creation. This will be the final confrontation between God, Jesus and Satan. Satan will be manhandled and be fruitless in any attempt to resist. Revelation 2010, the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet also uh, are also. They'll be tormented day and night forever and ever. Go, again, that's a span of time, not literally forever. Um, uh, there's no such thing as that in Greek. But anyways, as we have seen, there are two wars, one at creation, one nearing the end of creation. Jesus reigns victorious over the forces of darkness. The story is not yet fin uh, finished yet, and total retrieval has not happened. Before this happens, a sign of a perdition must be exposed, also known as, a.k.a., son of destruction, okay? So let me read it, and we'll wrap up. 2 Thessalonians 2, 1-4. through 4. Now, brothers, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be quickly shaken in your mind and not be troubled either by spirit or by word or by letters as if from us, saying that the day of Christ has already come. Let no one deceive you in any way, for it will be unless the rebellion comes first, mm, law-breaking, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of destruction, who he who opposes and exalts himself against all things that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits on as God in the temple of God, sending himself as God, right? To be continued. <laughs> but uh praise God. So now we know that Jesus as soon as John the Baptist started preaching that there was a war initiated in heaven, it happened through the whole entire ministry of Jesus. When Jesus died on the cross and had the goods to go up there and purify the temple, he goes up, purifies the temple, and kicks out all the trash, casts the devil down the earth. The heavens rejoice. God gives us a warning. The devil's down there. Watch out, guys. You know, but I'm going to give you gifts. I'm going to give you power. I'm going to give you authority, but you have to obey me. Because let's circle back to how this all started, rebellion and disobedience. So God doesn't like this. So he understands when we fail and we ask for forgiveness. But if you're in rebellion and you won't repent, you're in trouble. You're just like the devil. The, the, Satan is your dad, not God, because God doesn't do rebellion. Okay. And so he says, listen, 
I'm going to give you good gifts. We know in another Bible study we did about 12 unlockable blessings that the Holy Spirit's given to those who obey the commandments. Right? That's who gets the Holy Spirit. Now we're all given a little bit, but we can get more. That's like seed. You know, it can grow into whatever you want it to be. And so, but you have to invest. So now we're getting to the point. There's maybe another one between this and the actual revealing of the son of perdition because there's still a little bit more information I couldn't fit in here because this would have been 15 pages and so I have the some of the already done on my on the computer and so uh, praise God thank you Jesus I hope that's definitive proof in your guys's mind that there's been two wars and there was two situations and circumstances and this final one is coming to play out now when Jesus comes back and kicks some butt so praise God can't wait yeah me too this is so good I got a quick question while it's fresh in my mind. Okay, so you were saying uh, just right above here on page nine, um, when you said that they will be tormented, uh, tormented day and night forever and ever, and you just said that that was, would you say that was just a span of time and not forever and ever? Does that mean when we were told we would be with him forever and ever that we're not going to be with him? Well, the, there's two different things. It, it's an expression. You know, uh, and so no, it would definitely be with him for all eternity because we'll, uh, this mortal must put on immortality, right? Mm -hmm. But the devil does not get immortality, he gets destroyed, and so we will be with God for all eternity. But you have to understand the expression what did you just say? He who is guilty a little will be few, uh, beaten with a few stripes, and he who's guilt, guilty a lot will be, be beaten with many stripes, mm -hmm. right? And so the devil is guilty of the most, mm -hmm. he will burn the longest, but he will be consumed away. Mm -hmm. You know, he's gonna, he's purifying all eternity all creation we're done with the sin thing we're not going to have this like some people like perry stone talk about like there's going to be a hole in the ground and people are going to drive by on the highway and peek down and watch people get burned and mm. so stupid how's that even heaven do you really want to see your loved one burn forever no. it's the stupidest thing so you can remember what sin right it's a catholic doctrine to get you to get them out of purgatory and to make you fork over money so they don't have to burn it's not biblical and nowhere do you find it so if the wages of sin is what death yeah. but the gift of god is eternal life you know not forever life eternal life mm -hmm. right now I think that might ask, answer your question a little bit better. We get Thank eternal you. life. Yeah. And so, um, you know, so yeah, the word forever in Greek is just for and ever. Like in English, it's forever, one word, and we think it means for all eternity. And, but in Greek, there's no such word. Okay. okay. Yeah. So he's just saying for an expand of time, uh, you know. All right. Thank you. That answers that. Yeah. And pretty good. I need to know, maybe because I don't have it clear in my mind. So the second, the first battle during... That started from the beginning of the fall, before he came to earth. Yes, after he tempted Adam and Eve and they okay. sinned. And he went back to heaven. We see in Ezekiel where God confronts him and kicks him out of heaven, okay. out of his position. That was the first war. And then he waits in front of Israel for Jesus to be born. Jesus is born and fulfills his ministry. And then the war continues in heaven. Interesting. So, yeah. Okay. Two, yeah. So, I, got that. I guess it's a little cloudy when it comes to it started after the fall of man on earth the battle a lot of christianity teaches there was a great war in heaven and god threw down a, a, a pedophile and murderer and liar into the garden of eden mm -hmm. and then adam and eve fell 
that would not be a good father. No, it doesn't even make sense. No. I mean, give it some thought. It doesn't make any sense. You know, and I grew up believing that because that's what I was taught. You know, but that's not what happened. Is he worked a plan and tried to exalt his heart up, tried to get Adam and Eve involved, got them to sin, and then goes back to heaven to try to think get what he, he's going to get. His, you know, what he thought he was going to get, and then God confronts him as we see in this thing in Ezekiel twenty-eight, I think, mm-hmm. and uh, he's like, hey. You know, you've been in my garden last study. And then he kicks him out. And the third of the angels. Now, he's out of his position, but he still can present himself to God. Right. And so he can present himself to God and accuse the brethren. That's what he did day and night. And that's that unseen battle that we can't see. Right. We're involved in it. But that's why there's angels to fight for us. Right. Because we can't see it. Right, right. And so, uh, yeah, we can see. It. And so once the once John the Baptist started preaching the coming of the Messiah, then the devil freaked out. And apparently there's this massive war going on in heaven with Satan and his angels and uh, My- Michael and the archangels. Right. And so as soon as John the Baptist started preaching until Jesus died and went and cleared it out, mm-hmm. you know, and in reality, it probably wasn't a long war because a thousand years to us is a day to God. Mm-hmm. Right. So it might have been just a, like a, a, you know, a couple hours or something, but uh, we could sit and do the math, you know, 24 divided by a thousand. But anyways, <laughs> something like that. And so uh, you could figure it out. But, uh, um, you know, it was it, not a long ongoing thing. And Jesus went up with his blood and or purified self and presented in himself as a sacrifice spiritually before God. I think what blows me away is I've never seen it or read and understood that when he talked to Mary in the garden, that that's what he was going to do. Right. Go up and kick. Right. Anyways, he's going to go up there and get rid of it all. Right, right. Because it doesn't specify. You have to dig. You have to dig. I've been I've I've been working on this Bible city for almost fifteen years. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So like, because I had the idea, like God gave it to me. I was just like, how do I, how do I even prove what I'm thinking? You're telling me, Lord, and and it's just taken a long time and a lot of study and revisions and looking and like, no, that doesn't work because of this. I've never heard anybody teach this before. Uh, me neither. 62 years. <laughs> Praise I've God. been in church. Well, right. All but, okay, 20 of that. I didn't go. Right. But I've heard different ministers, people that are deep in the Bible. I've never heard this talk before. Me neither. It makes so much. It falls into place. Oh, it answers a lot of questions. <laughs> you have to know all the books to go with it. Right. You have to get all the pieces, just like the prophecies of Jesus' uh, of his coming as the Messiah and stuff. This just doesn't like lay it out. You have to hear it in there and then grab this and you layer it up. Same thing with this. And so it's there and all, all glory to God. I mean, it's nothing to do with me. You know, and a lot, and a lot of this, I sit there at the computer like this, like... <laughs> trying to think it through because i'm like i don't know and i felt so good after we got done with this but uh um praise god you know wow. god's awesome like this like off. Of uh, yeah and then to make it sense to you because i already knew in my head and my heart i already knew i was like okay this this is literally what what's up get it past me to make me understand i know everybody else to get it before me, <laughs> praise so god it's just like to understand this is just I'm still blown away. I've never heard that. It's just, right. It just makes so much sense. Right. It's like when I found out that the book of Revelation, chapter 12, had already been completely fulfilled. Right. And it was stuck in. It's like, why do you stick that in there now? Because I'm reading it. Wait a minute. This is already done. When that revelation hit me, that prophecy hit me and opened my eyes to realize this has already happened. Right. 
it took me a while to, to digest it. Right, right. And that's why we went into that, like, it represents, you know, who he is, who was, and who is to come. Mm -hmm. And then he said, write down the things that you did see, that you are seeing, and that you will see. You know, so the book of Revelation is a past, present, future document, not just an all-future document. That pattern stays through the entire right. Bible. Right. When you talked about Revelation, um, the last page on chapter on 9, Revelation 12, 17, and the dragon grew angry with the woman and went away to make war with the rest of her offspring who keeps the commandments and holds Jesus's testimony. And isn't that just an amazing coincidence that in jump to future tense mm -hmm. that in revelation 22, 14, right. it says those that, that inherit the kingdom of God, right. I'm the right who right. seeks the kingdom of God, who seeks Jesus, who keeps the commandments right. will inherit the kingdom of God. Right. It's the same. I mean, there's constant right. reinsurance there. Do yeah. This. God doesn't handle rebellion well. No. no. <laughs> he doesn't put up with it. And so guess who, the, who gets to go? The obedient. We don't earn it. But once we have given it, we act obedient. You know, and people's like, well, you're trying to earn your way to heaven. No, I am responding out of obedience and love for a savior who died for my sins, who called me into his kingdom. And that's the only way to act. It's like if someone does something nice to you, do you go and like destroy their car and burn down their house? No, you respond in a way that shows gratitude. And that's how God wants us to, you know, give gratitude. He spells love, O-B-E-Y, obey. You know, and so if you love me, obey me, keep my commandments. Oh, only if there was a verse that said that. But anyways, oh, wait, wait, hold on. There is more than one. But, uh, you know, you know so the, like even in, in the Old Testament, you know, fear God keeps commandments for this is the whole duty of man. Yes. You know, and so. Uh, Powerful. Right. And so it's not hard. And But now we get more why. And now that you're getting this, the son of perdition is going to get make so much more sense. And you're going to be like, wow, I get it now. Now I know who the son of perdition is. And I know, I know right now I could do the study, but I'm holding it back because I want all this information to sink into your heads. I'll torture him and get the <laughs> like, like with a feather. <laughs> but anyways, uh, let's pray and then we can keep talking. Okay. Dear Father, thank you for your love and many, many, many blessings for you have our and will ever do for us for revealing uh, wonderful, glorious truth in the scriptures. You know, man has not revealed these things you have and we glorify you in it. All glory be to your name. You know, you allow your creation to, and to look into these things and to be enlightened by them for your glory. And so we give you glory. We respond out of obedience and love. Thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit. We love you. We thank you. And we appreciate you all I have and will ever do for us. And thank you for loving us so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Praise God. If you feel so led of the Lord and want to know how to donate to this ministry outreach, please visit brotherlance.com and scroll down to the bottom of the main page for the PayPal link. Thank you, and may God's blessing rest upon you. Brotherlance.com